Kurt was a vlogger in the early days of YouTube. Why didn't you tell me you had a YouTube channel? I took it down, the videos, the channel, a while ago. Where he used to scream about video games. Do you think our information may have been leaked somewhere? Doxing. No, I don't think we've been doxed. Now, his relationship will be put to the test. No one is going to get in this house. If not... This is our home. No one can drive us from our home. When one night, he is visited by a shadow person. Who are you calling? The police! No! Don't do that! Who won't stop tickling his feet? <laughs> Chasing the Ghost, a new play by Ashley Lauren Rogers, directed by Samantha DeManby. At the Walls Theater for Performing Arts, McKay Building at Fitchburg State University. Fitchburg, Massachusetts, December 7th through the 14th. Visit theforgetheaterlab.org for specific dates and ticketing info. Is It Transphobic will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's me, Ashley Lauren Rogers, the creator and producer of the Is It Transphobic podcast. So I tried to record this intro before and my fan was on because I'm warm, it is July, uh, and there was a lot of wind noise, so I'm going to do it again. Once again, working on a lot of projects, helping out a lot of other folks, trying to uh, get their works out there, and that means that we have a few things that we're promoting on the show. Uh, I try and do that right at the beginning so that we can focus on the actual conversation that I have with my guests later. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot that we want to make sure you know about. Uh, that said, we just closed Mahogany Brown in the case of the disappearing kid at the tank, and... It was amazing, really intense piece by one of my favorite writers of all time and a good friend, uh, and it was put on by one of my favorite theater companies of all time, Step One Theater Project. Uh, if you get the chance, you should absolutely check out some of their work later, uh, and if you saw it, I'm sure you enjoyed. So I'm going to play a message from a group called The Nobodies. Now, who are The Nobodies? The Nobodies are, from Brooklyn to YouTube, The Nobodies are an NYC-based nightlife trio with a particular penchant for Lynchian absurdist humor, thrift store glamour, and pro wrestling. Uh, now, if that sounds familiar, I gotta tell you, I started watching their Nobody's Watching Wrestling on YouTube, and their MX Nobody pageant is absolutely worth checking out, and consider kicking them a few dollars if you can. We're here to talk to you about the Mix Nobody pageant. It's a pageant that we throw every year, and we're doing it for the fourth year in a row. Can you imagine that there are some queers that don't have a stage available to them? Our goal is to provide anyone with a stage. It doesn't matter what your experience level is. It doesn't matter what genre of performance you do. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what gender you are. All of that is thrown out the window. It is for everybody. It doesn't matter what species you are. The Makes Nobody pageant is really important to us because when we were starting out, uh, a lot of people wouldn't give us the time of day. Uh, and we became weirdos just to spite them. Uh, <laughs> 
So now we're, we feel like we gotta return the favor and expose the world to a whole crop of new nightmare children. So many weirdos. Two of our finalists from the last two years, their first stage was the Mixed Nobody stage. Putting a competition like this on costs money. And there are three things we wanna make sure we do. We want to pay everyone who works for us. We want to donate all of our finale proceeds to charity, and we want to make sure that there is no cover. Anyone who wants to see this show gets to see this show. So, to fulfill all of those requirements and not go broke ourselves, we are asking for generous donations from you to help us raise money to make this dream come true for ourselves and all of Brooklyn. If each of our YouTube subscribers donated one dollar, we would have almost $9,000. Almost $9,000. And we're only asking for $1,500. Only $1,500. This is a way for you to support performers who don't usually get support. We are doing this pageant so that we can give a space for anyone who wants one. And this is your opportunity to join us in that quest to make America weird again. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching and supporting. Thank you. Bye. Awesome. So we're going to have the link featured in uh, on social media. We're going to go ahead and put that in the episode description. My guest today is Amy Ackerman. Uh, their debut cabaret exploring body liberation features songs and personal stories chronicling their experience as a big kitty in the big city. From cat calls to last calls, there's a song for that. An evening of song, celebration, and fat queer reclamation of the beloved canon. Now that's happening Monday, July 22nd at 7 p.m. at The Tank. Uh, that's at 312 West 36th Street in New York City. And the show is, again, called Big Kitty in the Big City. Wouldn't you know it, at the absolute last minute before I put out this this uh, podcast, I got booked on a gig. Uh, it's in Williamstown, Massachusetts. It is for the Williamstown Theater Festival, reading in a piece by Shakina Nafok uh, called the Chonbury International Hotel and Butterfly Club. If you don't know who Shakina Nafok is, she is a fantastic uh, trans person, fantastic actor, fantastic just all-around human, uh, and you've probably seen her on uh, Marble's Jessica Jones, as well as on Who's Difficult People, but she's also a fantastic writer. Uh, and this play will be directed, it's going to be a reading directed by Laura Savia, and it's going to feature the acting talents of myself, Kate Bornstein, Sammy L. Nouri, uh, Dana Levinson, and a contributor to the podcast, Ian Field-Stewart, as well as a number of other folks. At the Chonburi International Hotel in Thailand, a vibrant community of transgender women face the challenges of gender confirmation together, testing the bonds of an unlikely sisterhood. Now, once again, that's part of the Williamstown Theatre Festival, specifically the Fridays at 3 program. If you would like to come, uh, the, I believe, tickets are $5, and it is happening at 3 p.m. at the Clark Art Institute's Auditorium. Uh, you can get tickets at wtfestival.org, uh, and like I say, it's going to be a really good time. It's a great piece, so check us out July 26th. 
All right, and this is the last I'm going to be talking. Uh, I wanted to let you know all about August, because August is going to be very light. Uh, Silas and I are going to release an episode covering Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett's Good Omens, specifically the Amazon adaptation of it. But I will be out of the country for most of August, and it gets hard to record in the summer due to the heat and... You know, people go away, people go on vacation. So uh, I apologize that we're going to have a light August, but yeah, uh, I, I hope you all understand and I hope you appreciate it. We'll see if I can come up with something else. Like maybe I'll talk about something. If there's a topic that you particularly want me to tackle, let me know uh, and I'll just do a solo episode. But uh, enjoy your August. <laughs> Hello again, everyone. This is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I use she, her, or they, them pronouns, and I am the creator and producer of the Is It Transphobic podcast. And today I'm being joined by... Hi, my name is Amy Ackerman, and I use they, them pronouns. Yay. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, so happy to be here. So first off, uh, Good Girls, how would you describe this show to our audience? Good Girls is about uh, three women. I believe two of them are sisters. Mm -hmm. And um, all of them are having a little bit of some financial bind circumstances Mm -hmm. that are coming up um, that, you know, are giving them trouble just because they don't have money. And they decide to rob a bank. Or Rob, actually, not a bank, a grocery store. Yep. Um, I got distracted from our guest That's okay. I asked you all about robbing a bank. And no, so that threw you off. All so I'm I will take about the blame now. for that. <laughs> uh, so they're robbing this grocery store um, as a way to get some funds, and they think that they're only gonna there's only gonna be a couple thousand dollars. They think thirty thousand dollars, maybe tops, mm-hmm. give or take a few. I think is what the character talks about. Um, but there's actually cl- close to what is it, half a million dollars. Yeah, it was about half a mil. Uh, and so they end up kind of biting off way more than they can choose and really having to deal with the consequences of this choice. And I think that the show does a good job because they are very sympathetic characters. Like I really like I wanted them to have the money so that they could, you know, go through like we're allowed to talk about the stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just as always, spoiler spoiler warnings, we're going to in order to analyze uh, particularly when we look at it from a trans non-binary lens, we have to be able to talk about the piece. So if you haven't watched it and you're interested, please watch it ahead of time. You can go ahead and pause this and do that. Or you can listen and see if it's for you first, because that's the other reason people tune in. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a really accurate way to describe sort of the premise of the show. And they do a really good job in the first three minutes, because I counted it, like three minutes and I think it was 45 seconds. I'm just going to open my notes really quick. But it was about that three-minute window. Nope, that's not it. Um, three minutes and 45-ish seconds. All about these, the showing the characters, how they interact with other people, how they interact with their family, as well as why they essentially need the money. And then they throw you right into the thick of the action. 
And that is great writing because you instantly know so much about all the people you're about to see, even if you don't know their names. Like it took a couple episodes for me to remember names and I had to fill in things in my notes because I'm terrible with names. Yeah. If you if you listen to our episode on um, uh, One Day at a Time, you'll hear Silas and I just constantly going like, wait, what What was this one's name? This one, oh, who was this? Yeah, no, they were great. I love them, but who are they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that said... Here we go. So that said, had you heard about Good Girls prior to me assigning this to you, Amy? Yes, I had heard about it because I do love Christina Hendricks. Mm. Um, a big fan from when she was Yo Safbridge on Firefly. Um, also watched her uh, in Mad Men, of course. Um, but, you know, the last few years, I haven't had cable TV. Like, I don't have a television. Mm. So I mostly watch stuff on Netflix. And, like, shows just feel like such a huge commitment you know like mm. watching a show for a season that's you know not written by Joss Whedon or something you know like there's mm. there, I, there's like I'm watching the Fosse Bird and there's things that I will like be like I'll find that but honestly I don't really watch a lot of TV anymore mm. I watch far too much and that's okay <laughs> um I'm also and I apologize I'm realizing if you're watching this right now I am without my wedding ring it is over there across the room but we're rehearsing for a fight show and obviously the first thing you do if you're fighting is take off all your jewelry. Uh, that said, I apologize for that. But um, yeah, we we had this, we went to see Ali Wong while I was in uh, Indiana. Mm. And one of the things she was, she was talking about, or no, her opening act uh, was talking about was this idea of like, if you're going to binge a season, especially if it's with someone else, that's a commitment. You're in a relationship at that point. You oh, two absolutely. have been through something. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. So, uh, what are your what are some of your impressions of the season? Because we only watched the first four episodes, um, and I assigned this. Now, let me ask: Do you know why I assigned this particular show to me? To you, and just in general, like why are we talking about this show? Um. So. Well, I don't know. I because I can answer that. I just want to know if you like what your impressions were. If it was a, uh, I sometimes... had no idea that there mm-hmm. was a potentially trans or non-binary character on mm. it. Um, I again knew very little. I think I had seen some ads for it, but uh, yeah, I had no idea that there was any sort of you know, people that were you know questioning their gender identity as a part of um, the plot or character development. Mm. And I don't know why you chose this one for me, (laughs) but I'm really Mm. glad you did because I really like it. Yeah. So I hadn't watched it myself either. I had heard about it. I I love Retta just because I love Parks and Recreation. So Mm. Retta was immediately like, I'm going to have to check this out sometime. But like you say, it takes a lot to kind of get invested in a show. Um, And so I was there, I was waiting for it. And then I was doing some Googling because I wanted to find more non-binary representation Mm. because, you know, there was an availability and it was just like, hey, let's see a show that's dealing with non-binary issues. And so many things during that time period were posting because I guess that the episode most recently uh, the character finally came out. Okay. And so I was trying to find out because, you know, you do your research and it's like, oh my gosh, but when, when, when do we as an audience mm-hmm. start seeing this? And there were conflicting reports. And because of those conflicting reports, I was kind of like, all right, 
let's just start from the beginning because it seems like the character even from the beginning was dealing with issues that maybe aren't singularly to non-binary people or even trans people but from what i understand they were showing very early on that this character is in some way trans or non-binary yeah absolutely yeah. Mm -hmm. and i wonder like just immediately what are your like how do you feel about the representation so far like, do you like it? Are you still on the fence? I like it. Mm. I think that it's a really genuine um, representation. And also, it, in a weird way, it's not super centered on this is a story about a trans young person. Like, yeah. it's actually not really um, talked about until I think in the third episode, you find out that... Um, they're being bullied and one of the things that's happening is the harassment at school is that uh the boys are uh will be the character's name is sadie the, so the boys will be pulling sadie's pants down because uh they want to know what is sadie um so i think that that really was because it could it, it it was the weird thing it was like oh is, is sadie a tomboy and like mm. the parents use she and her um pronouns when talking about sadie uh so, yeah. yeah, but I think it's a good representation, and it also seems like uh, the character of the mother, Annie, is very supportive, uh, very mm. loving. I think at one point she's like, I think Sadie prefers a jaunty bow tie. That, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I wrote that one down. Um, it was it was actually, because I remember that one, it was when she was fighting with her ex while they were talking about custody mm -hmm. um hold on let me find it she's an atheist oh so she was set she was told by her partner who again who has just said we're going to fight for we're going to challenge you for custody uh and her ex says you know well she can go to a a a Catholic school, a private Catholic school or a private school. And she said, Saint something, something, something. And so the mother goes, she's an atheist with a jaunty bow tie. I don't think Catholic school is right for her. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, and that's, that's the other thing we are going to continue to refer to the character as she for right now, because even in the show, the show has finally, uh, let the character because the actor is a trans man, trans masculine mm. child, um, child actor. I don't want to say child, but you know what I mean, like a child young actor. person, yeah, young person actor. Um, and so it sounds like they are making the choice to make the character who has identified as Sadie to be uh, trans male as opposed to specifically non-binary. Mm -hmm. And I do want to talk about that in a sec. But yeah, I just wanted to make it clear to the audience that because they are referring to Sadie as this, we are going to refer to them as Sadie and possibly using the she pronouns because they haven't told us to use anything different yet in the show. Um, that said, so yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that too. Let's kind of unpack this moment that you talked about the idea of these bullies physically pulling Sadie's pants down if you don't mind going mm -hmm. into that like why I have answers to this as well but I wonder if you can talk a little bit about why this form of violence and bullying is specifically as a trans narrative uh, an incredibly uh, a horrible specific act 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with. Oh, push it up. Oh, oh there it goes. I'm not Sorry, we're dealing with the mics. Mic situation. Hello. Okay. There we go. Um. So yeah, I think. I mean, for me, it's hard because I feel like it. There's so much obsession over genitalia that mm. I think is really, really, really um, problematic uh, mm. that uh, trans and gender nonconforming people um, are subject to. And also the fact that uh, it is also a form of sexual harassment, which again, um, trans communities are uh, also subject to in much higher numbers uh, than cis folks. Uh, so, and also the fact that, I mean, these, like, I think she's supposed to be like in middle school, you know, like we're mm-hmm. talking like 11 years old, 12, like young, young, mm-hmm. uh, people. Um, and so I don't know for me, like I, that was when I felt I like, cause I, I, I didn't, I wasn't expecting them to, or I wasn't expecting Sadie to say what she said about, um, her pants being pulled down so yeah. that, um, her classmates could find out you know, what, what she was or what was down there. But again, just this obsession with genitalia, I think further just others, trans mm-hmm. people. And it's just like severe, like just harassment and mm-hmm. yeah. Nope. Absolutely. Violating. Like it's, it's, and it is, and I mentioned it as an act of violence and it is an act of violence, both because a, uh, it's, a physical act happening, but violence doesn't necessarily have to be physical, but in this case it is, uh, and it's specifically targeting, exactly like you said, trying to show off genitalia, trying to show off, trying to demean someone in such a way that is focused on their genitalia, and that's where it becomes more of an issue with transphobia as well as, but I think that they handled it in an interesting way on the mm-hmm. show. Uh, for me, I actually really liked how it was telegraphed because it was telegraphed by um, this, the Sadie character saying that, like, oh, there's no good pants for me. I don't want to wear these pants. They're yeah. too big. Yeah. And she's like, no, they're not too big. you got to really mm-hmm. yank them to get them down. And then it dawned on me as an audience member what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's also because I'm trans and I was, like, looking for that. Yeah. But it is one of those things where it was just like, Oh, this happened. And I actually really appreciate that Sadie communicated that with uh, Sadie's mother, even though it took a little bit of pulling, but Sadie felt comfortable communicating it with Sadie's mother. Uh, And that was great, especially when you see that juxtaposed with how the father reacts. Yeah. Upon hearing that. Yeah. Hmm. Now... And we're jumping to the fourth episode, and that's totally... I'm happy with that. Honestly, I think the most meat of what happens happens in the fourth episode when it comes to, like, Sadie and trans issues. What did you feel about the ending of that episode? Because <laughs> that was when, uh, like, the whole subplot, like, the main plot is uh, oh Beth, guy. the mother of five. The Stepford wife the Stepford type. wife. Married to Matthew Lillard <laughs> of Scooby Doo and Scream. Fame. I know. Oh, he's with Scooby Doo. Yeah. I was like, yeah, he yeah, looks yeah. He so shaggy. familiar. Shaggy, he totally. Was, I loved him. I think. I think. Okay, so I'm gonna ask the specific question, but I am gonna state I love the performances in this show. Anyway, um, so with that said, um, so the Stepford wife all of a sudden comes across their their daughter is saying, or her daughter is saying. Who's the man? 
And that is such a confusing question. Because my immediate thought was to say, you the man? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's how, that's where my, my mind went. Um, but then they look in her bed, and there is a man bleeding in this child's bed. <laughs> and so shenanigans happened, and the, uh, the, I can't remember her name, Amy? Maybe? No, you're Amy. The, the, the mother Annie. of Sadie. Annie. Annie. Okay, I'm close. You're close, yeah. Annie uh, basically takes the keys back from the guy. He comes back and he's like, hey, here's your van back. With bullet holes in the trunk. <laughs> With bullet holes in the trunk. And uh, so she's like, hey. You know, you know, like, hey, I owe you a favor. And she's like, okay, um... You need a ride? And suddenly he's in the cafeteria with these little shits throwing tater tots at Sadie. And it is just the most uncomfortable thing I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, it was intense. Yeah. Because he literally just like starts eating some of the little shits food. Um squeezes a juice box all over some other food, insults them, and then jams, I think, a piece of bread in the kid's mouth and breaks his finger. <laughs> it's just like, wah! Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. It was awful, but it did feel cathartic. It, it like, yeah, I mean, he took it a little far, yeah. and I, again, I mean, they've been making so many bad choices, and I think a big thing about mm-hmm. this show is, like, you make one bad choice, and then you have to make another bad choice, and you have to mm-hmm. make another bad choice, Um, so, I, like, I was kind of cringing just because I'm thinking about, like, the reper- like the repercussions of that, because, mm. like, in a weird way, even though they've made bad choices, I'm like, I don't want them to get caught, like, I don't want anyone to get in trouble, like... I want them, to, even though they're like, you know, kind of making, doing some risky business. Mm. Um, yeah, it was like, I was intense though. I was not expecting him to like break the kid's hand or finger. Yeah. No, I didn't think it was going to go there. I thought they were just going to be scared of the man. Mm-hmm. I will say, having worked briefly in the school system, how, what kind of school system do they have that this random man... <sighs> It's going to be able to get into the cafeteria, let alone sit down and hold a conversation and break a kid's finger. Well, weren't they also saying before, because like, I think that hmm. okay. uh, there was a thing where like, um, you know, Sadie was talking, getting bullied, and then the parents are talking about it, and the dad's like, how come there's no one watching, you know, and Sadie is saying, you know, there's no, they're understaffed, like there's not enough people there. Mm. So maybe that's in this little small town in Michigan. I don't know. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, they, they at least telegraphed it. Okay. Because there, there were a couple of other logic issues that I had with the show, uh, especially having worked in retail for most of my life. Oh, yeah. So, like, for me, like, and and correct me if I'm wrong, you've worked in retail or retail-like situations. Yes, I right? have. Yeah. Macy's. Now, I don't know if it's illegal or if it's just because you work, because, like, I've worked mostly in large corporation-type things. They tell, like, so one of the first things you do when you meet Annie is you see uh, the actor who plays Rickety Cricket, that is the name that they call him on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, that fucking creep. Um, he, is he the boss? He's Leslie? Yeah, Leslie? yeah he's the, the creepo boss. Leslie, right? Leslie, yeah. 
So he uh, he's like, oh hey, you 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 using the uh, pen on the hundred dollar bills? Cause you gotta do that. Cause if you do, see look, oh it's fake. See you took this fake bill, so now it's coming out of your paycheck. I don't know if it's illegal, but I feel like it is to do that, and especially if you're a big corporation, uh, you're not gonna do that to your employees. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't think that's legal. I think he, this guy is really not a yeah. nice guy. Yeah. Uh, and they telegraph that right away with that moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he pops up, and I did not, and I apologize for not giving you a warning as well. But like, uh, just as a warning to people who are interested in watching this, uh, first episode there is an attempted sexual assault, mm-hmm. um, and it is one of those things where it's like it's. They pull away enough, but it is very graphic, and I wish that I had known that going in. Uh, but at the same time, like I, I watch so much garbage that like I'm kind of media-wise, I can move past it. But for those that uh, maybe it could be triggering, just prep yourself with that. But as far as I've seen in the next four episodes, there have not been uh, another quite so graphic. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, with that situation, with this boss kind of taking uh, advantage of this character, Annie, basically it seemed like there was one scene in the middle of the first episode where mm. um, he was just kind of trying to like manipulate her and he had power over her. So it kind of seemed like it was a, a kind of like, I'm going to talk you into this. And mm. then in the later part of the episode, he did physically force himself on her. So that was also yeah. like it built like... Yeah. Yeah. At first, it was uh, coercive, which is also just very uncomfortable to watch. Uh, and then later on, it was uh, explicitly forced. Um, I mean, it's always forced in that yeah. case, but still, yeah. Anyway, uh, but we don't necessarily need to linger on that. I just wanted to let potential viewers know that ahead of time. Um, so that said, let's let's talk a little bit more about. Hold on a sec. So let's talk for a moment about the casting, because like I mentioned before, uh, the actor who plays Sadie did come out as trans. Now there's a there are a number of there are a number of articles uh, that talked about this. I just chose one that happens to be from HuffPost, and specifically they said prior to Sunday's episode, the character Sadie had hinted at ex explorations of gender identity mm-hmm. in a number of scenes. The show's creator, Jenna Bands, told Variety last year that she had originally written the character as a boy named Ben, but eventually opened up the role to make two male and female actors. Once Isaiah had been cast, however, Bands learned that the actor identified as trans, prompting her to reconceptualize the character completely. Uh, and this is a quote from uh, from Jenna Bands. We realized we had a really great opportunity to tell a story about a character who was gender nonconforming, but at the same time was not necessarily, but at the same time not necessarily have that be what leads the story. Uh, what's most important to the character and the story we're telling between Sadie and Annie is really about the bond between Sadie and uh, and the those brackets, so it was later changed, his mom. 
Um, yeah. So I actually really enjoy that story, especially seeing how they've handled it. Yeah. Where, yes, there are specific moments where the character's transness is part of the story, but it's never just the story. Yeah. I yeah, will. I agree. I will say, and let me know, let me know, let me say this and then tell me how you react to it. Um, I wonder if, because they are constantly talking about how the character is non-binary in a lot of the articles that I found, when in reality, it sounds like they are moving Sadie to being a trans man as the actor also portray, the actor portraying the character is a trans masculine child um it it just kind of feels like they've a lot of these articles have been using non-binary as their way to sort of like oh this character is trying to figure themselves out Mm. i wonder if you can just respond to the idea of using that as both a like is that not exploitative but would that be hmm yeah, I'm trying to kind of dance around what I'm saying with that, but but the ultimately I just want to know like is that if they are moving towards a character that is uh, a trans boy, is that an issue to have them either be portrayed or have the media talk about them as a non-binary character? Uh, what are the issues with that, and what are sort of the the wiggle room with that? So. I think with the wiggle room, the fact that Sadie is a very young character is a character who is probably figuring themselves out in a lot of ways, just, you know, besides just their gender identity. Um, I think that that kind of creates some wiggle room. Like I definitely, I mean, this character, Sadie is definitely masculine presenting. Um, but I feel like, um, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I think yeah. that, it the fact that it does feel like it is a character who's kind of exploring like who they are and their gender um i th- i think that i i i per- I, I personally read Sadie as a non-binary character mm. um cuz it felt like she was exploring and questioning and try- like you know trying things and also but also like very much like it's not like at the beginning you see Sadie in a dress like Sadie's pretty mm-hmm. much dressing uh presenting pretty masculine uh the whole time um and I guess what th- like but I do see what you mean about how that can maybe be like er- like cause some erasure for folks mm-hmm. that uh you know do kind of like experience the gender uh, on this on a spectrum um but I don't know. I guess for me, thinking about it, the, thinking about the fact that it is a young person who is expo- like who is figuring out their gender identity, like that's something that I kind of read from it, and that's something I also haven't really seen a lot, like in the media, in TV. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, like I I tend to agree with that, and I think that because I don't have any kind of animosity or anger from it and I was trying to kind of figure out why is this like because it is one of those things if they're building up this character to be like because the the whole reason that a lot of people were talking about it is the last episode that had aired prior to me assigning this uh Annie had had a baby and the baby was in her arms and she says hey we have a boy and Sadie says no mom you have two 
Oh. See, that's so sweet. Oh. Like, oh, I'm tearing up right now. Oh, that's just like, so sweet. Oh. And so it, it is one of those things like the, the issue that I do immediately see and want to just kind of like acknowledge and problematize is that like you mentioned, it could be used as a razor to say stuff like very similar to bisexuals where it's like, Oh, you're just trying to figure it out. And once you figure it out, you're going to pick a side. Mm. And I don't think that's what the show is doing, but I also think it's a healthy thing to try and experiment with gender presentations, with pronouns, with all like everything that is involved. And not and committing to one and then changing later is still perfectly acceptable yes and i think that's where i kind of always with a character it's like the character has to be static because they're a character Mm. Uh, and that's not true but that's sort of what i've been conditioned to look at yeah and i think that's why i'm kind of like why am i so hung up on this (laughs) i also wonder too about like the ambiguity of uh, Sadie because you know again it's not really it's not a show about a young trans person you know mm-hmm. like it's and that's you know it's yeah. kind of nice that it's not like the the focal point of it but it is something that does exist in this in this world mm. um, but I think I wonder if the ambiguity like I know I was finding myself using they them pronouns because mm-hmm. I just was like I don't know you know mm. and that's sometimes uh, like for me the like if I'm if I don't know I'll just like revert to like gender neutral pronouns Mm. um and so i'm wondering if that maybe in the like the media and when people were like kind of like spilling discourse around Mm. like what's going on with this character if they then pronouns were used because she obviously didn't feel right but Mm. um if they hadn't come out on the show maybe Mm. not wanting to i don't know and i'm happy that they are exploring this within the the second season as much as like because there's always this this tendency to immediately, like, have a character. Like, if you're trans, like, boom, all right, pilot episode. You're going to trans it up. Mm-hmm. Like, guess what? This is my pronoun now. And as much as that is necessary in some ways, because it's addressing it and it's saying, hey, this character is trans immediately. Uh, oh, no. Why does this keep doing this? Okay. Uh, for those who are listening at home right now, the Wi-Fi connection in my apartment is garbage, it seems. Uh, anyway, um, so many people on Facebook are going to hate Aww. that, but that's okay. We're still going to record and we're still going to put it out on Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I guess where, where I was going with that is I think it is... Good. I think that there's a a double-edged sword to this. It's great to show that immediately because it shows to the audience, hey, this is what you're walking into. Guess what? There's trans representation. Guess what? There's queer representation. But at the same time, the show was kind of able to show us this, but play the long game. Yeah, there's something subtle about the Sadie track. Um Like, it wasn't, A, it wasn't just, like, slapped together, and B, it wasn't, it didn't feel like they waited too long. Mm. It kind of feels like, and again, like, I'm not caught up, but it feels like, based on the fact that it's midway through season two, that Sadie finally communicates it, mm-hmm. it is something that, like, that's that's a decent amount of time. Like, yeah. it took a little while, and it's showing Sadie, I'm assuming also, it's showing Sadie grow as well. Yeah. 
But yeah, like I think that's a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for a young person who, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of trying to parse out who they are, who they're, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that that makes sense within the framework of thinking about the, the world of this character. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I have some other questions. Let's see. Because I did, I ended up taking a bunch of notes, which is Amazing. great. I didn't take um, any notes. That's okay. I watched it in bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally cool. I took no notes in season one, episode three. I enjoyed, I remember enjoying it, but Sadie didn't have a huge part of it. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to leave it alone. There was, um, I think it was, was it episode three that they were in Canada? Or yeah. Was yeah. Okay. So. There is that moment that I want to talk about where um, Annie has to deal with the fact that she is late for her hearing. Oh, yeah. That was rough. Oh, my gosh. That was so yeah. rough. I knew it, too. I knew mm-hmm. she wasn't going to make it. I thought they were going to get stuck in Canada. and that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I knew she was going to miss um, the, the meeting with the social worker who's coming to evaluate um, if she's fit to be uh, a good mother, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, that was that was rough. And then, like, it seemed like it was going well until they got to checking out the mother's room, until it mm. got to checking out Annie's room. And suddenly you're seeing that Sadie cut their finger. And you're seeing that, like, because I don't know if that was shown and I was just wasn't paying attention. I but know, it was that just came like, up quick. Ooh, I actually kind of liked it because the whole point was you were seeing what Annie was seeing. Like yeah. you're walking into, like there was a whole story with Sadie that we don't know because Sadie was trying to get everything good so that, so that Sadie could stay with Annie. I, I love also, their relationship. Yeah. I love that relationship so much. And you can tell like Sadie really loves her mom, even though mm-hmm. her mom might not like her mom works at the grocery store, like mm-hmm. single mom, like, you know, her sister's always like, you need to grow up. You need to get your act together. La, la, la. So, But I mm. love their relationship. Like, Sadie has so much faith and love uh, for her mom. I also like that the father is kind of miss... Like, the, the Annie's ex, Sadie's father, is kind of... He's not bad. Like, yeah. he's not evil, to the best of my knowledge, unless something happens in season two where he just, like, becomes the Joker. I mean, that'll be a hell of a twist. Um, but <laughs> Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, it's like, he seems like he's a good guy, but there are these like things. It's like, uh, they, they have like a mansion, like a mm-hmm. huge house and that I feel like kind of, I don't want to say vilifies him, but that definitely mm-hmm. like the, the juxtaposition, juxtaposition between, you know, Annie, who's kind of just, just barely making it, you know, and her putt, putt, putt car mm-hmm. and her messy house. And then, you know, like there's, when she drops her off at the dad's, it's like the dad has like a new girlfriend who's like super hot and like makes like pico de gallo, you know, <laughs> like we'll say it like that. I do love how that was used as like <laughs> pico Why de gallo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is like, you know, this beautiful house. Take like take the shoes mm-hmm. off in the house, you know, like very kind of separate worlds. Um, mm. But yeah, but he is not inherently it's not like a black or white situation it's very there's definitely some like nuance and i think he does want the best for sadie but i don't think he i don't know 
Well, and I think also hypothetically, if Sadie did end up with him, it's not like this would be a like an evil situation. Mm-mm. Like Sadie would probably still be safe in a lot of ways. Yeah. Maybe not every way, but in a lot of ways. And, you know, like I kind of like that because, you know, it's just Sadie wants to stay with Annie. Yeah. And because of that, you still push for Annie. You still want her to win. But it's because you're giving... It's because we are prioritizing what Sadie wants as opposed to putting Sadie in what we assume isn't another unsafe situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that... Oh, I, I just... I love that level of nuance. Like, that's what I think works with this show there's some things that don't again but there's a lot of like the nuance and character that mm-hmm. does the nuance and world building not as much let's let's talk about these quote-unquote gangsters the gangsters this <laughs> what are they they're not like i mean at one point i think they say gangbanger yeah. is what annie says <laughs> which i know is a term that gets used by people, including people that deal with gang situations and gang issues, they do use the term gangbanger. But I cannot hear that and not think about someone who has group sex I agree. continuously. I agree. Not that there's anything wrong with group sex. Hey, you know, I am not kink shaming that. You do whatever you need to. You gangbang it up in that case. But <laughs> I can't not think of these people as... They're all having orgies. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whenever I hear that term. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it looked like they just didn't want to commit to what type of gang they are. And I don't blame them. Yeah. They kept it nice and vague. Yeah. Nice and ambiguous. Like, hey, we're just a general criminal organization yeah and it's interesting you know they're at one point i think there's like three or four of them and they're mm-hmm. like different races and mm-hmm. like different kind of styles one kind of looks like he's like in a biker gang yeah. and one uh you know is like a latino uh mm-hmm. actor um that might look more like a you know like traditionally what we see in the media when we see mm-hmm. like gang members so it was kind of like it did feel very vague yeah like again, I, I kind of <laughs> I don't know if I applaud them for being vague as to what this gang is or if it's actually just sort of like, well, I don't know, you're not really what is this? You're just like general evil? Like Yeah. Also, how they did not explain this, and maybe they did. Tell me if they did. How did they know it was them that took the money? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Because they show up, they know, and we can maybe say they it's... have access to cameras. Maybe somewhere? I don't know. Because it would it would definitely not behoove them to go to the cops at that point, obviously. So if they have access to the cameras, sure. But they don't answer in the, at least in the first four episodes how, and the move at the movie and the the show turns from being hey they pulled off this heist oh no they have to keep hiding about the fact that they pulled off this heist to now they're helping the gangbangers 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I understood. Okay, so they had to return the money, and they had spent some of the money, so mm-hmm. they there was a they were in debt a little bit. So I understand. Okay, they have to like do something to make it up. But then, I mean, I don't know. I think it is because she goes back. She like leaves the pearls on mm-hmm. the door, like Beth, the Stepford wife uh, character. Mm-hmm. I think she's kind of like. I don't know. I think she likes being bad a little bit. Mm. I think she's, I think it's thrilling for her. I don't know what it is, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, I think she voluntarily does go back mm. to, I don't know, work yeah. with them. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. At that point, it gets to a point where I'm just like, this is weird. I don't understand this, but I like the character, so I'm willing to kind of stick it out. Um, and again, maybe there's a, a detail in that that I just missed and I'm happy to find that out. But yeah. Um, let's see what else was there. Um, yeah, there was one moment that I noticed where she was, Annie was talking to her, uh, ex all about how she's not going to fight custody because Mm -hmm. they were going to run, either run away to another, uh, country or just try and go off the grid. They were trying to figure out the way to get away, but they knew that they needed to get away. And she said, um, she's going to need to start wearing a bra soon, so don't get her anything Mm -hmm. too girly. Uh, Tank tops, things she can layer. Um, I don't know. There was something about that, again, like just talking about like looking at it from a trans lens, looking at it from a non-binary lens. It is one of those things where it's just like, yeah, as much as she's saying this, this is something that if their child is not expressing transness or has not expressed that they want to be on hormone blockers or anything it is a reality that is going to have to be faced and especially if she's more close with Sadie she's probably going to have to state explicitly to her ex like hey this is something you're going to need to know but it's also a little bit saving her like hey don't get her anything too girly hey don't do anything like that because because this is a reason other than it's not what Sadie wants. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it read interesting to me. I thought that oh. was a really lovely moment. And just like, you know, like mm. obviously like she doesn't have the language maybe, but mm. like she knows, she knows at an instinctual level that when it's time to like get her child these you know supportive garments like the type mm. of garments that like she know like yeah i don't know yeah. i really i liked that i was like oh get it annie like you really you really see sadie yeah you really see sadie so there's only one there's only one more moment i want to talk about this is where uh leslie um it's always sunny's uh the creepo guy uh he goes to the fbi because he witnesses now and he goes to the fbi to tell them oh this person yeah this person they're they're doing this and they're stealing cars and they're doing all sorts of bad stuff and the fbi guy is like "Mm, what's her name her name is annie oh yeah i had nanny too in in college what (laughs) like we uh, we we were both into Huba Stank. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was just so good. <laughs> like I audibly <laughs> just yelped. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> and then now here's the thing: I hate with a capital H. Hate it when people use the term friend zone, and like I instantly know exactly what type of person you are if you tell me about the friend zone. 
But using it in this context where he's like, yeah, you know, hey, buddy, I let me guess. You got put in the friend zone. It's like, mm. wait, what? <laughs> and then, like, so so Leslie has to kind of like, no, 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 that's not what it is. I've actually seen these things. Uh-huh. Here's what I'm going to need you to do. Go to the bar, have a nice drink, and meet someone new. Mm. And it was just like, you know what? I'm okay with that use of the friend zone. That was okay. That was good. Yeah, it also kind of reminded me of like, you know, so many uh, women go to authorities to try mm-hmm. to report. Um, so it was interesting to see like, you know, this like asshole guy. Um, can I see that on here? Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this total asshole again uh guy you know go to the authorities thinking that he's like you know doing the right thing and uh you know the the guy is just completely uh was like all right sure <laughs> whatever you know um yeah yeah I, I thought that was i was like and i was like oh no now they're gonna get in trouble Ugh. and actually that's an aspect that i didn't think about is like that because there is a lot littered throughout where they're doing a lot of like for lack of better term like the rah-rah woman thing and so to kind of see this like the sort of like well i'm a man like even though that's probably not what he was thinking like i'm a man surely they'll listen to me but like Mm -hmm. him not even questioning that they would have any questions and it's like well i can prove it well i can't prove it but i can yeah (laughs) yeah (sighs) ah okay uh so we're going to ask the questions we always ask on the podcast also, before yes. we oh, yeah. no, what else? wrap, yeah. I just want to say that I love the character of Ruby, who is yes. the another one of the um the three main women. And mm-hmm. like something I love so much about her, oh, I don't know the actress's name, but she is this Retta. Uh, Retta, yeah. So she is a fabulous woman of size. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes on TV, you know, they'll have actresses that are you know a little plus size or actually just mm-hmm. like normal sized human beings that just look plus size on TV because everyone else is like a size two. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's just um, in the same way with Sadie where, you know, like uh, the character is not about her or about Sadie's transness. Mm. Um, You know, there's like like Retta Ruby is she's not a fat joke, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's actually in the four episodes that we watch, there's only one time where she talks about food and that's. And she, when they're talking about where can they run away to, um, and she's oh, like, oh, yeah. it needs to be somewhere where there's Indian food, you know? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> like you know, any person mm-hmm. gets it. Obviously, she likes, she likes Indian food. Um, and so I just, I really appreciated that representation. And also that, rep- like, she has a, a husband who is, a like, thinner than her, which there's a lot mm-hmm. of people of size that um, are in relationships with um, folks that don't have the same body size as them. Um, so it was really refreshing to see that on uh, – television i think also i'm really attuned to it because i'm really interested in uh representations of, of fatness and media uh and the stories that uh we see so yeah she's great red is hilarious oh my god i love red like like i was mentioning before like i loved her on uh parks and recreation and very much like in this she's always portrayed as like especially in parks and rec she's portrayed as sort of like the person that has her pulse like has the pulse of what's going on and mm-hmm. like is just very not just like because people overuse the word like fabulous like oh fabulous but yeah. like she just embodies it in a way that is amazing yeah it's like empowering yeah oh, that yeah. scene Thank where she yeah. uh is at the diner yes like this total oh asshole God. kid customer mm-hmm. um and how she really mm-hmm. like stands up for herself you know and then that you know the they're like, say sorry. And she's like, sorry. And he's like, no, say sorry like you mean it. 
And she's like, I'm sorry that like you do not know how to treat service workers. I'm sorry mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. like blah, blah, blah. it's just really yeah, just powerful stuff. Um, yeah, she's great. So I would be remiss if I didn't bring her up. Yeah. I love Retta. Okay. Uh, so is there anything else that we want to talk about that we haven't talked about first? No. I think okay. Yeah. That was my only... Yeah. No, that's cool. I love Retta. So let's keep talking about her. <laughs> um, anyway, so the two questions that I always ask at the end of the podcast. Uh, first off, did you enjoy it? No. Let's flip that. Because I always, I always want to go there because I'm always like, yes. Uh, but... Did was it transphobic? Now you can rate this either from a one to ten scale. You can do this as a binary yes or no. You can do it as even just like a noise. No, I didn't. I don't. I have not mm. found this show to be transphobic, mm. in, from my view. Yeah, no, I I tend to agree. I think especially within the first four episodes. And again, like there's a whole rest of a season and a second season that we haven't watched yet. But as far as the first four episodes, they do a really good job of talking about trans issues without necessarily without necessarily naming it. And I'm okay with that because they do start to name it later. Um, But when but you can see that this is that they're respecting uh both the actor as well as the character yeah and i think that's really important so yes so the next question was enjoyable i loved it i I, like i'm gonna watch more (laughs) it's so fun i think the writing is strong i'm totally sucked in it's sometimes hard to watch because like Mm. i'm watching i mean you're watching people make bad choices yeah um and it's again you know, a lot about repercussions and consequences. So it's kind of like, but you know, I'm just really falling in love with these characters and like, I'm rooting for them, even though I know that they're um, kind of walking uh, on the fine tightrope of morality and what's right and wrong. And I think that, I don't know. I really like, I want them to, to win. And I think they're, they're, they're in situations where they are, pushing themselves they're pushing themselves and their families and the people that are close to them but i feel for them so Mm. i enjoyed it it was it was really fun i think it was a really yeah it was like a it was it's like serious fun though in one way you know it's not just Mm. like all haha like you're laughing one minute and then you're like oh my gosh oh my gosh careful 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 Mm. the next which i enjoy I agree. I think that they set the tone really well that they're, the, the comedy is coming from character. The comedy is coming from, yeah, every now and then they've got a quippy line. But like, even when they do, it works because it's not always and they tend to call each other out as like, hey, what, what the fuck are you saying? What are you yeah. doing? No. Uh, but it's mostly character-driven comedy. So for me, I tend to agree. I really do enjoy this. I'm definitely going to keep watching it. Uh, I'm so glad it's on my radar now. Uh, same thanks yeah. you're welcome Ashley. yeah this is the see this is the other thing a lot of people think that we go about this show in a negative way and it's like oh you're just looking for you're just looking for it and it's like yeah i mean we're looking for it but that's because a lot of it has sucked true so when you find this nugget this is the whole reason i wanted to do this podcast is because it's like what are the nuggets of hmm. good representation what are the where can we find it when it's done well and this ticks all the boxes, including having accurate representation, having that representation listened to, and having really interesting characters that 
could not be done in a way that was not with a trans person, but also not just about that. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. Um, Definitely look into, I'm sure that there are other triggers that I have not stated in future episodes. Uh, But to me, I would say this is a must watch. Yeah, it's very good. Check it out. I'm, I watched uh, the episodes on Netflix, so that was helpful for me because I don't have access to TV. So that mm. was one of the reasons I didn't like get into it in the first place. I was mm. like, I can't watch another show. So, But if you're looking for something to binge on Netflix. Yeah, season one is on Netflix right now. I think because I looked on Hulu and I think only a couple episodes are available even if you have... Uh, the even if you pay Hulu money, which it will never do, um, <laughs> but it's because I want to watch it on my Xbox. Um, <laughs> you take my money. Fine, here and they also yeah yeah. Anyway, I'm not gonna keep giving them advertising. You know where to find them. Uh, so, but where can we find you if you want people to find you on the internet? And if you don't, just tell us about something you'd like people to look for. <laughs> oh well, you can follow me on the gram. Uh, my handle is Amy Z Actress. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I don't, my website's a mess, so I'm not going to plug that. (laughs) That's totally cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and as you've probably heard from me, yep, you can find me on Twitter at Lucretia Deerfor, L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R, then the number four. Uh, you can also find my website, AshleyLaurenRogers.com. Uh, and now Is It Transphobic also has their own website. It just launched recently. We're waiting a little bit to get the, the funding so that we can connect the final isitransphobic.com to it. But you can find it at tinyurl.com slash isitransphobic. Awesome. So the other thing I want to tell you about is our Patreon. That's right. If you subscribe with even just a $1 donation a month, you can see the videos for this content. You can see, you can hear all sorts of things before they go live. We've got an interview with Ray Mariah McCarthy that's going to be out only to Patreon subscribers for a month, and then we'll release it to all of you normal, lovely people who listen to it for free. Um... <laughs> Uh, and yeah, there's all sorts of other stuff I'm trying to figure out that we're, what we can do with the Patreon, but it's patreon.com slash is it transphobic? And if you'd like to see something on the Patreon, if there's something that you're just like, hey, Ashley, show me pictures. Hey, Ashley, give me something. Tell me what you'd like to see. We'll pop it on the Patreon and only give it to you, our lovely Patreon subscribers. They're not Patreons. They're patrons. Patrons. <laughs> Patreons. <laughs> Anyway, uh, great. So let's do something physical so that the folks watching on Patreon are getting uh, the most for their money. Yay. Yeah. Yay. This is definitely a choice. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for recommending Good Girls. Yeah. What a joy. What a joy to, to watch. So I'm, really always, I'm always happy when people actually like it. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com.
My guest today is Amy Ackerman. Ow, I hit the desk. <laughs> Music underneath the Chasing the Ghost promo was Hunter by Falls, licensed through Soundstripe. Thank you to AJ Mattioli and Mattioli Productions for the audio consultation.